Let us pray. Like the melodies of the strings which fill this sanctuary, I pray, O Lord, that you move in us through the power of your Spirit. You are able to remember and transform our lives. Might the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable before you today of all days. In Christ, through Christ, and with Christ, I pray. Amen. The gospel reading for today comes from the gospel of John, the 10th chapter, verses 1 through 10. Listen now to a word from the Lord. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he's brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they don't know the voice of the strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. And so again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are the thieves and the bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes in to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. John's gospel is distinctive with its I am statements. It shares with the synoptic gospels the miracle stories of the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus walking on water. And yet the gospel of John is remarkably different. The gospel of John was written about a community in which there were fissures and conflict. As Jesus moved between Galilee and Jerusalem and did his work of healing and teaching, his life and witness caused disruptions in the status quo of the synagogues. In John's community, there were those members who confessed faith and belief in Jesus as the Son of God. And those members and leaders in the synagogues who thought Jesus was some ravager, not honoring the holy. The breaks and the conflicts in the community had members having to work very hard to discern and answer the question, who is Jesus? 
This disruption was because Jesus went to the margins. He went to the places of pain and suffering, and he connected with and healed the lepers who had been marginalized. Jesus broke holiness codes, and he healed on the Sabbath. Jesus turned water into wine at a wedding, and he healed a man born blind on the Sabbath. This Jesus, our Jesus had abilities like no other, save for God. It was painted on the bus stop shelter in front of Snowden School. A spray painted marking, a youthful art form, a graffiti tag in all caps, the word ABLE, A-B-L-E. Shared with Rebecca Abel Lamar, our previous associate, she responded, almost perfect. Her name spelled a little differently. Almost perfect. Rebecca was right. Seeing this artful image of in COVID sequestration made me ask questions that day. Philosophical, theological, practical. What does it mean to be able? How do we become able? Why? A thousand whys. But beginning with, why are some people able, able to escape COVID and others not? And brooding about being able in a pandemic made me want to see that graffiti one more time. And so to literalist, you might classify what I saw in that bus shelter as an illegal eyesore a destruction of matter property, and simply an adjective not worth spending time upon. But I needed to see it again. So I went back down to get a picture of that tag, and it was gone. Sand blasted away. So I let it go, sort of. Looking at that translucent sand-blasted wall of the bus stop, it was as if I were reading the letter to the Corinthians. For now we see dimly, but then we shall see face to face. In the scarred plexiglass, Abel was still visible, helping me to remember something about the nature of God. At Idlewild, we used to have an alley that you could drive through from Evergreen to Auburndale. And in that alley, another graffiti artist tagged a window. The paint was yellow and the message read, I know Jesus better than you do. I know Jesus better than you do. I have carried that statement as a challenge for years. I know Jesus better than you. The cynical side of me wants to dismiss that declaration. Go take your Jesus-knowing self and spend your time more wisely than destroying Idlewild property. But the mystical side of me, here's an invitation into contemplation. As the church, who and what are we projecting about Jesus? about who Jesus is.
Have we forgotten something about the nature of Christ? Theologian Barbara Holmes says that art can amplify the sacred and challenge the status quo. These two graffiti tags held in tension functioned as artful signposts. Christian hope must be held in tension with memory that we, we are a people who have learned how to navigate loss. We are a people who navigate loss. And that navigating loss calls for an artistry in Christian hope. A certain mystery exists in knowing Jesus and being the people who live with this Christian hope. Hope by itself is not an actionable item. Hope is born in loss. When a people with a risen Christ commit to a future that we cannot see, hope anchored in Christ calls for artful practices because with Christ, we are able in remarkable ways. Do you know that stirring of ability? To thrive along the Christian journey, I believe that means is to have hope. Hope is not some shallow thriving that everything's going to be better, just trust me. No. To thrive with Christ is to confess and to live as if God's future is possible. A future when the wolf shall live with the lamb and when dry, brittle bones take on breath. To thrive with Christ is to serve and to share the love of God, to be neighbor to the least. To thrive with Christ is to serve and to share the love of God in both the good and especially the despairing places. We hope in context that are either satiated and indulgent or in despair and seemingly incapable of hope. For the Jewish people, Jerusalem was the center of God's possibility. When Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonians, the people knew that catastrophic loss. All they had known was gone. The rhythm of their regular practices taken away and stripped bare. The psalmist lamented, we lay down and wept. The prophet Ezekiel raged, thus says the Lord God. Ha! You shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? For a people turned away from God and the apostasy of greed, Jerusalem was gone really gone, seemingly incapable of hope. But the prophets, they also spoke an artistic word about God's possibility. Thus says the Lord, I know the plans that I have for you, plans for you to prosper. For Christians, Jesus is the center of God's possibility. 
like Jerusalem carried God's possibilities, Jesus carried God's possibilities. And today's gospel story and I am statement connects to the miracle story which has just taken place. In the Gospel of John, in chapter 9, Christ heals a boy who has been blind from birth. Jesus goes to the margin and he heals this one for whom the religious community has not seen. The Pharisees shut the door on the blind man, but Jesus opens the gate. The Pharisees choose to exclude the blind man, but Jesus gives of himself authentically that one man born blind might have life and have it abundantly with eyes wide open. Jesus uses a proverb and a metaphor about sheep tending to teach his disciples, and they simply They just don't understand. And so he tries again, and we hear the clarity of the I am statement. And he says it twice. I am the gate. To enter by this gate, you don't have to manipulate a pathway or stealthily arrive. I call you by name. I go ahead of you, and I'm going to be with you. And you know my voice. Jesus says it again, I am the gate. Come in and go out and be nourished together. I want for all of you the most remarkable and excellent life, not a life that leads to slaughter and ruin, rendering you useless. I am the gate, and I want for you to have life and to have it abundantly. This abundant life takes me back to that bus stop shelter and the sighting of the word able. To live with abundance is to live authentically, making meaning in the where of where we are and finding hope even in the places of great loss. The good and the bad The light and the darkness, the joy and the despair in each of us are loosely strung together. To live with abundance is to live authentically, sharing our purpose and service with Christ's love and justice. And COVID-19 is inviting us to hear our names called in new ways by Christ and to be nourished in new ways. The loss that we know with COVID is plentiful the failure of our old ways, passing the peace with a hug, the plates passing down the pews, the body of Christ in silver trays, the failure of our sense of security that an invisible virus can take life away, sight unseen. To live with abundance is to live authentically knowing that it's Jesus' life that demonstrates something more powerful than any evil or virus or destruction that the world can give. Hope might not be an actionable item, but there is an artistry about hope. It's a mark that we wear. 
that Mark is honest with our suffering and focused on God's possibilities. That Mark is found in our memories that when we come to this table today, whether here in the sanctuary or at your homes, that table is where we hear the brutal honesty of suffering that Christ speaks, this is my body broken for you. That mark is truly hopeful and it leads us in and out of every day to thrive, to journey, to bear witness to a risen Christ and to trust him with the whole of our lives. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen.